All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to today's edition of Bible News Radio. I am your sweet, lovable host, Stacey Lynn, and I'm so glad that I'm here with you today on this uh, January 12th, 2022, in case you didn't know what day it is. You may not be watching this today as the day I'm doing this, but if you are watching it, then that means that I want to say thank you. (laughs) So glad that you're here watching the show. And, you know, in this episode, one of the things we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about that, the the TV series, The Chosen. We're going to talk about that. I've been wanting to talk about it for a long time. We're going to talk about that. And we're going to talk about the death of Bob Saget and and Betty White. And we're also going to talk a little bit about deception. And so if you don't have your Bible... I want to encourage you to go get your Bible, and I really want you to take this next hour and pay attention to what we're going to talk about, and I, and I don't normally say that. I mean, it's who am I to tell you what to do, right? But you've tuned into the show, and so I want to tell you to pay attention to what Randall and I are going to share with you in this episode. Today, what I'm sharing, I don't do lightly, um, you know, and it's funny because a couple of days ago... A friend of mine said to me that my my brand um, is is being vulnerable, and I was talking to a different person today, and they were like, "Yeah, you're vulnerable. I read what you you write," and there's like no way that I would write that. There's no way I would even say what you say, and I thought, you know what? Is that a bad thing? Is it a bad thing to be vulnerable? <laughs> well, you know, it might be depending on who you are. A lot of people are are. Are guarded, but I want to read you the definition of what being vulnerable is, and then I'm going to tie that into why I'm going to tell you what I'm going to talk about today. According to dictionary.com, the word vulnerable means the first definition is the capable of or susceptible to being wounded or hurt as by a weapon. Okay, this is true. I would admit that I'm one of the first people, I am very susceptible to being hurt um, by. A weapon, maybe, maybe not. Depends if it's a word or not. If it's a word, yes. Um, open to moral attack, criticism, or temptation, as in he is vulnerable to bribery. Um, the, the, fir- the third definition is open to assault, difficult to defend, as in a, uh, a vulnerable bridge. Um, it's like of a place, but the fourth one I think is what most people are referring to when they think about me is willing to show emotion or to allow one's weaknesses to be seen or known. Let me say that again, willing to show emotion or to allow one's weaknesses to be seen or known. I got to tell you something. You know what? I was raised in a very, very secretive environment where I was abused by a malignant, covert narcissist. And if you know anything about narcissism, what I can tell you is that they are like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. In public, they're one person. Behind doors, they're somebody completely different. I went to therapy in order to deal with my stuff. Does it mean I'm great? No. A lot of people get freaked out. Oh, I don't want to go to therapy. I don't want to do stuff. Blah, blah, blah. You know, you're a crazy person. If you go to therapy, whatever. Whatever. Okay. Um, I look at this and I go, you know what? Okay, you're right. I am 
vulnerable and I am prone to show my emotion and my weaknesses. Um, and you know what that, you know what that means though? It means that, that, um, what I do gives you the courage and the permission to do the same, especially if you've been somebody who's been hurt. And I'm going to tell you something in the church, people are hurt all the time. You know, we name the show Bible News Radio because we care about the body of Christ. We care about people in the church. Spiritual abuse is rampant. Spiritual deception is also rampant, and it doesn't get discussed. People, you know, the majority of you that tune into this audience, one of the top things we hear is that you tune in because you're not heard in your church or you can't find a church or you've been hurt in the church. And you don't know where to go because you can't deal with real issues. You have to, like, you know, do whatever. And so, um, you know what? I take it as a compliment when people tell me I'm vulnerable. Um, and it's, quote, my brand. I wouldn't say my brand is being vulnerable. I would just say being authentic is being vulnerable. It's being, it's who I am. And God called me to that. Maybe he didn't call you to be as open with your stuff as I am with mine. And yet the irony is, is most of you have no clue really what's going on in my life. You just think you do. Um, if you really knew, you might go, oh my gosh, how does she even do the show? Because there are days, I'm telling you, I'm wrecked. I'm wrecked. I can barely get out of bed some days because of my grief and the different things that I go through. So with that said, I would say pray for me and pray for Randall. <laughs> Because the poor man has to live with me. Um, uh, and I don't come to the microphone here and do this show lightly. I mean, I take very seriously what I talk about. And I think long and hard about what I talk about. Um, because, um, because I know that what I talk about influences you. And it may influence you to the good or it might influence you to evil, you know, and <laughs> I don't want it to influence you to evil, just so you know, okay? But anyway, let's look at First Timothy chapter 4 as we begin this, and then I'm going to talk about a couple of things that kind of fall in line with this. So this chapter is very um, popular uh, when you look at apostasy, and, and that's kind of the topic here. It says here, but the Spirit, is, the Spirit referring to the Holy Spirit, um, explicitly says that in latter times, some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons by means of the hypocrisy of liars seared in their own conscience as with a branding iron, men who forbid marriage and advocate abstaining from foods which God has created to be gratefully shared in by those who believe and know the truth for everything created by God is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with gratitude for it is sanctified by means of the word of God and prayer. And then it goes on to say in verse six in pointing out these things to the brethren. And remember, he's talking to Timothy here. You will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, constantly nourished on the words of the faith and of the sound doctrine which you have been following, but have nothing to do with worldly fables fit for only for old women. On the other hand, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness, for bodily discipline is only of little profit, but godliness is profitable for all since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. 
it is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance for it is for this we labor and strive because we have fixed our hope on the living God who is the savior of all men, especially of believers. Prescribe and teach these things. Let no one look down on your youthfulness, but rather in speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity, show yourself an example of those who believe. Until I come, give attention to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation and teaching. Do not neglect the spiritual gift within you, which was bestowed on you through prophetic utterance with the laying on of hands by the presbytery. Take pains with these things. Be absorbed in them so that your progress will be evident to all. Pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching. Persevere in these things, for as you do this, you will ensure salvation both for yourself and for those who hear you. Okay? Now, I could go into a full-on Bible study about this. But there are a couple things I want to bring out. Number one. We're in the latter days, right? When Paul wrote to Timothy, um, you know, some believed it was kind of the early beginning parts of the latter days there. We are in the latter of the latter days. Um, I don't care who you are. I don't care if you agree with me or not. This is what I believe. I think that we're near the end of the end. Um, And there are deceitful doctrines of demons out there everywhere. Okay? Um, And... And they're there. (laughs) They're there. They're in the church. You know, Um, God was warning them then. He's warning us now. And if you go down and you you look at, um, you you keep looking at this, you know, he's trying to encourage Timothy, hey, be disciplined in your your faith and, and all these things. And don't let anybody look down on you. But in verse 13, he says, until I come, give attention to the public reading of scripture to exhortation and teaching public reading of scripture exhortation and teaching part of the problem we have a problem today in the body of christ is because people in the church don't read the word of god period they get enamored with celebrity they get enamored with with their idols in media. And I'm going to bring this up and it's not popular. And I'm, and, and I, I'm not, I don't like talking about this to be honest with you, but the thing is that somebody has to, I'm not part of the quote discernment crowd. I don't like that crowd to be honest with you. But what I will say is I, I watch the media and I watch Christians and how they engage the media and I'm so, I'm, I am in a crowd sometimes all by myself because I look at things. So Bob Saget died a couple days ago. Um, he was the father on the TV show Full House. He played Danny Tanner. Uh, Candace Cameron Bure uh, played DJ Tanner. And she's probably the most famous person on that show besides John Stamos, who got his start in General Hospital. Um, and who played Uncle Jesse. Well, Bob was found dead in a hotel room. Um, There's been no release cause of death at this point. Um, But he was by himself, apparently. And we don't know what the cause is. And it's sad. I mean, I don't, you know, I mean, that's a sad way to go, right? By yourself in a hotel room. 
We don't know what happened, but apparently there was no foul play or anything like that, which is good, I guess, because, uh, you know, it, so we just, we don't know how he died. But the point is, is he died and he wasn't a Christian. Okay. He was not a Christian. And this is the thing that makes me sad is that he wasn't a Christian. Candace Cameron Bure uh, wrote this on her Facebook page. She wrote, oh, Bob, why did you have to leave us so soon? We are all family, but you were the glue, the sticky, messy, squishy, sweet, lovable glue. My childhood is wrapped up in you, my formative teenage years and the rest of adulthood. You taught me to feel deeply at such a young age, etc. blah, 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 blah. And then she goes on. You were Bob. This was long, so I, I you know, want to fill this name. She said, you were Bob. There, there will never be another like you. I wish you could see the outpouring of love you have. You're, you've certainly left a beautiful legacy in kindness, compassion, loyalty, generosity, and love. I'm not saying goodbye because you'll never leave my heart, even with this gi- gigantic tear in it. You know what's really sad about that? Is he isn't being remembered as a follower of Christ. And I find this so tragic because Cameron, you know, Candace Cameron Bure is one of the most vocal born again Christians in Hollywood. Uh, Kurt Cameron, her brother is also very vocal about his Christian Bible believing faith. Uh, and yet this guy, um, according to Wikipedia and other sources basically says that he was a Jew. He was Jewish. He was like, and some people think he might've been an atheist, but, but according to Wikipedia, he was Jewish, a non-practicing Jew. Um, clearly he didn't have a relationship with Jesus. He teased her about it. If you go to Candace's Facebook page, you can read the whole entry. This is sad. It's tragic. I'm not sad that he's dead. I didn't know him. He didn't impact my life in any way. I didn't worship him. I don't, I don't worship TV stars anyway. But what's really sad is that he's in hell because he didn't accept Jesus, apparently, based on all outward appearance. Maybe he did at the last minute of his life. I don't know. But the same thing with Betty White. You know, Betty White lived to be 99, almost 100, just a couple of weeks shy of that. Her 100th birthday will be in about five days. I think it's January 17th. And, you know, what's interesting about the outpouring for Betty White was it was very similar. Oh, she's gone so soon. She's this, she was a great woman. She helped, you know, the, the animals and, and all this other stuff. But the Christianity that she held to wasn't Christianity at all. It was a new age philosophy. It had nothing to do with Jesus. It had nothing to do with Jesus and what he did. In fact, what she believed was that she was God herself in many ways, the, of the, the Christian spirituality that she believed in, uh, was just new age and, and unbiblical and it had nothing to do with Christ. Right. And so based on that, she's probably in hell, right? Unless of course she repented at the end of her life, which only, only God knows, right? Now, do you think I love sitting here going, wow, Bob Saget, Betty White, they're both in hell right now based on what they've put out into the world? No, <laughs> I, I don't want anybody to go to hell. And yet, as a Bible-believing Christian, one of the things that we have to start being more bold about is that people are going to hell, right? I mean, think about it. 
if you believe what you believe as a Bible believing Christian, then you literally believe people are going to hell, which is eternal separation from Christ where the fire is never quenched, the worm never dies, and that person is in eternal agony forever and ever and ever and ever. It never ends. And yet where is the heartbreak for the lost souls who are going there? Even from believers, where is it? I... I, (laughs) I, I think I said this last week, I was scrolling through a Christian friends thing on Facebook and they were upset because they had no internet connection for a couple of days. And when they got it back, the first thing they were like, oh, Netflix binge, Netflix binge. And I'm like, okay. And, and whatever it is they watch, you know, look, I don't, I don't care what you watch. That's not my point. Priorities. That's my point. And if we're supposed to be in the world, but not of it, how are we supposed to engage the culture for Christ when we're just worshiping the idols all around us in this world? And that's exactly what it is. It's idol worship. I've read the Old Testament. (laughs) I recently have been reading about Solomon and good old Solomon, the wisest person on the planet who ever lived, had an audience. People wanted to come and have an audience with him. They, they brought him silver and gold and they, they just sat there and they listened to the wisdom of Solomon. And yet in the end, or at least part of his life, he had at least, I think it was something like a thousand women who were in his, you know, entourage of uh, concubines and wives. Um, and, he offered up sacrifices to Astra and Moloch and these other pagan gods. And he forgot the one true God and God, it actually says that God got mad at him, which duh. Hello. (laughs) Think about it. Solomon had a couple of dreams directly from God. God granted him power and wealth and wisdom. And yet he still got tantalized by the flesh and went off and offered up these sacrifices. And I asked some friends and said, do you think Solomon's in hell? Nobody knows, right? I mean, God is merciful. Maybe he's not. Uh, if you read the book of Ecclesiastes at the end of it, you know, his, his moral value, his conclusion is to fear God, right? But do we really fear God? Um, this is a hard time we live in uh, because, you know, is it polite to say that somebody went to hell? No. It's not polite, it's truth, but how do you speak it without offending somebody, even in the church? So what I'm going to say about this, this TV series, The Chosen, may not set well with some of you. And I'm going to read you a little bit of an email conversation I actually had with a publicist who pitched me way back um, in July of last year, in July of 2021. I received an email from the publicist who represents The Chosen. And this is part of what the email says. This is Stacy. Um, a tour de force this summer is The Chosen, the largest ever crowdfunded TV series about Jesus. Mainstream and faith audiences alike are buzzing about the quality and storytelling. It's changing the entertainment landscape with their unique streaming model that's setting record numbers. And then it gave me a link to um, how to watch it. And then it gave me these stats. Remember, this is from July of last year. The number one highest crowdfunded project of all time with over 19,000 people investing $10 million in season one. Uh, 
$12 million from over 125,000 people for season two, generating income for future seasons when viewers choose to, quote, pay it forward after viewing. Episodes have already been viewed over 200 million times, translated into 50 languages. It consistently ranks in the top entertainment apps on uh, iOS and Android. The series is presented free, and viewers can choose if desired to pay it forward to finance future seasons. And somebody from the Atlantic wrote, Take it from a critic and a Christian with an aversion to Christian entertainment. The show is good. Ellipsis. The acting is as strong as you'd see on a mainstream network series such as Friday Night Lights or This Is Us, unquote. So my publicist person, who I've worked with on a number of different things, um, wanted me to set up an interview with the Mormon producer of the show, The Chosen. Um, And I was going to do it. I initially wrote them and said, okay, yeah, sure, I'll do it. But then I ended up getting an email from the producer, um, which told me that uh, if I did the interview, that um, that um, they were going to record it and have have my property. Well, I've done this for seventeen years now, and never in the history of my seventeen years doing my show have I ever had a celebrity of any stature, say that they're going to record my show and hold it. And so I actually turned the the interview down. I said, no, this is my interview. This is my show. This is my rights. And they're like, but, well, the reason we're doing this is because what happens if something happens with the recording or whatever? And I'm like, I don't care. You are not having rights to my recording of this interview for my show. I don't care who you are, (laughs) you know. Um, And so they said, okay, well, you know, we're sorry to hear that. But, um, you know, I, you know, we appreciate it. We appreciate working with you maybe next time. I'm like, okay, that's fine. So I ended up not doing it because of that. But I had a gut in my, you know, I had a, a check in my spirit about this show from the beginning anyway. I didn't know at the time that the one of the producers of this this show was a Mormon. Um, and some people might go, well, why, why, why don't you care? Because Mormons are Christians, right? No, <laughs> that's not right. Mormons have a false gospel, and um, they believe Jesus is not who the Jesus is of Scripture. They have other books that they read that they consider higher authority than the Word of God, the Book of Mormon, the Pearl of great price, um, you know, just to name a couple. And and they have a lot of influence in the conservative world in particular. The Mormon church was behind Proposition 8 in California, which was the marriage ballot that said marriage is one man and one woman. Nothing wrong with that. I don't hate Mormons. I actually have friends who are Mormons. Mormons are very political, uh, politically conservative. Many of them are. Some are genuinely born again, um, because I do believe that's possible. But as the doctrine of Mormonism is, not of God at all. And so I hear from people, oh, Stacy, don't you know that, you know, you're just kind of, you know, 
making a mountain out of a molehill. You know, so what that a Mormon producer was on this? There were no Mormon actors, no Mormon writing. Uh, and by the way, I shouldn't even be using the word Mormon because they don't like that. It's the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, okay? But there was none of that, no influence in like that in all this. So you're just kind of making a mountain out of a molehill. You need to knock it off, stop it, stop being so judgmental, and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> don't you know that God is using the chosen to draw people to themselves? And don't you know that there are Mormons who are watching this who are going to get saved because of it? Don't you know that? That is the number one thing I hear. This number one argument I get. And I'm here to flip the script. And I want you to think about this. And I, I say this knowing that so many people will disagree with me. <laughs> but consider my background, okay? Consider not only my background as a therapist, but also consider my 16, 17 years now in media and watching what they do with narrative, right? The gay activist community um, and the activists in the homosexual lobby have cleverly taught people to not use the word homosexual and use the word gay. They have framed the conversation with their language. Nobody, nobody, I, I haven't heard a pastor actually promote the chosen from the pulpit. And I don't know if my pastor has, but I heard another church that I attend online. I, I heard this pastor and I know his wife promote it. And I'm like, all right. Okay, yeah. I know that you can use the chosen as a as a, 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 a lost leader. Let's call it that. So you can use the chosen to kind of lure people into your church. And then you can, you can watch this, this thing of the chosen. And then you can talk about what the Bible really says about what they depicted, right? Okay. Okay. I guess you could do that if you have a lot of mature believers who know, understand apologetics, can defend the faith, and they, can, they are discerning enough to see this stuff. But here's the thing. Most aren't, right? And so you have, um, you have the Mormons who are producing this show. And they made a big deal about it, bringing it into Utah. And the big news stories that, that are out there, they talk about how they've never, the, the Utah, they've never opened this up for an evangelical thing, and this is a big deal, and blah, 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 blah. My question to you is, do you not think that the father of lies, who disguises himself as an angel of light, could actually use the chosen assuming it was completely biblical and it's not by the way it's ecumenical actually if you if you if you read about it and you know a little bit more about it exactly there's catholics involved there's jews involved there's mormons involved there's evangelicals involved and there's different definitions of evangelical just so you know but don't you think that the enemy could use this and he goes huh we got all these evangelicals going into utah the satanic hold of the country for Mormonism, where the doctrines of demons are promoted and all that. Have you ever heard of love bombing? Have you ever heard that cults like Mormonism, that's what they do? They love bomb people. They bring them into the church. They love bomb them. They make them feel loved. They give them a job. They make them a, a little elder. They send them on little missions out into the public. They give them something to do, and they do this, and then they begin heaping their rules, their rules, their judgments, their rules 
on these people. It's a works-based religion that has nothing to do with grace. Nothing. And if you followed this show, and some of you have for a long time, one of my most popular guests was a woman by the name of Karma Naylor, who wrote um, A Mormon's Unexpected Journey, Finding the Grace I Never Knew. She was actually a descendant of Brigham Young, and her and her husband after 50 years came out of the LDS church, God delivered her from those doctrines of demons and most of her family. Unfortunately, some of her family are still involved in the LDS church. Why am I making a big deal about this? Because it is a big deal. Do you know how many weak believers are out there who are now being seduced under the guise of the chosen be this evangelical thing? They're in Mormon country they're being befriended by tons of Mormons, and they're being introduced to LDS doctrine right under their nose. And if you don't believe me, let's look at this article. Uh, I think Randall's going to put this on the screen. Now, this was just published last month. Which one are we going That for? one, yeah. So this is on a website called calledtoshare.com. And we're going to go through this. Randall's going to jump in and and um, talk about this as we go through. But I, I, I want you guys to be discerning here, okay? This is why I, as a Latter-day Saint, am helping, helping evangelicals create the hit TV series, The Chosen. Don't you like that? That's the number one thing. First of all, you got the Mormons coming in, helping. They're coming to the rescue of the evangelicals, okay? Why are you as a Mormon helping the chosen? This is a question Rabbi Jason Sobel posed to me as I saw it across from him and Dallas Jenkins, the director of the chosen, in the hotel lobby in Jerusalem. Now, just so you know, Dallas Jenkins is the son of um, Jerry Jenkins, who happened to be uh, the author of multiple books about the Left Behind series. And Dallas is an avowed Catholic, okay? He might be an evangelical Catholic, but he is a practicing Catholic, which there are extra-biblical, unbiblical beliefs in the Catholic Church as well. Okay, So th this goes on to say, I'm a faithful member in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. We don't use Mormon anymore. And I have devoted the last three years of my life to helping an evangelical Dallas Jenkins create his vision of the hit TV series, The Chosen. I have no control over the content of the show, and I don't want any control. Why? This isn't just a question I've gotten from Rabbi Sobel, but many, other, many members of my own faith community. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, or Mormons, as our critics want everyone to label us, have challenged me and my brother, who is also a Latter-day Saint, with similar questions. Here are just a few things we have heard about the Chosen from our Latter-day Saints brothers and sisters. So think about this, okay? Number one, I won't watch a show about Jesus Christ that doesn't come from our church. You know why? Because that's what they're taught, number one. But anyway... How can you let an evangelical have full control of the story? Evangelicals hate us. That's actually a lie. Evangelicals don't hate Mormons. I'm worried that the evangelicals will twist the scriptures to meet their view of the Bible. Interesting. Dallas has received similar questions and addresses them beautifully in this video, which we're not going to play. There are significant differences in doctrines between the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and evangelicals. We have differing beliefs regarding the Trinity or Godhead. Yeah, like the LDS Church doesn't believe it. Right. And we do. 
evangelicals believe in the Bible like we do, but not our other scriptures like the Book of Mormon. Yeah, the Book of Mormon. Have you ever done any research on the historical facts of the Book of Mormon? Okay, so I dare you to go do your historical research, not only on the prophecies in the Book of Mormon, but the Book of Mormon itself, and you'll see it falls far, it, it doesn't stand up at all. It's a, it's a false book, right? We have 12 apostles and prophets whom we, we, we receive modern revelation for the world. Evangelicals do not. That's right, we don't, because we don't need them. We have the Bible, <laughs> Evangelicals believe in salvation only by the grace of Jesus Christ like we do, but they do not believe in ancient temple covenants, eternal marriage, or exaltation the way we do. The list goes on. Yeah, the the, the temple covenants, um, the other stuff is eternal marriage. The Bible, the Bible the, there is no eternal marriage if you actually read the Bible. Um, exaltation, yes, them having their own planets and stuff. As their own gods. They're, okay, their own gods. The women being eternally pregnant, you know, populating their own planets. Um, the list goes on. The list goes on. And on and on. Many evangelicals see our doctrin doctrinal differences as enough to even make the claim we believe in a different Jesus. They do believe in a different Jesus. The Jesus that I believe in doesn't have Lucifer as a spirit brother, just so you know. Um, anyway, so why am I helping an evangelical on the chosen? I was introduced to Dallas Jenkins through his now famous short film called The Shepherd. It was a dry, hot August afternoon in 2017 when I received an email from VidAngel's head of public relations, Matthew Farrakhi, however you say that. Barachi, maybe. Okay. The email subject read only short film. The body of the email was void of text, just a Vimeo link. 19 minutes later, I was blinking away tears as I watched the credits roll on my old MacBook. Over the next few hours, a flood of crazy ideas poured into my mind, novel ideas that no film production had used before ever. Without even having met Dallas, God had already inspired the basic path to raise the money we needed to turn this short film into a high-budget TV series. The next day, I told my co-founder and brother, Neil, about The Shepherd. He dismissed it immediately. Shows about Jesus Christ are for churches to produce, not VidAngel. Just watch it, I responded. 19 minutes later, he pulled off his headphones and said, This is why we made VidAngel. Three years later, we have received hundreds of messages and letters from people upset that Mormons are part of this world-changing project. Likewise, we receive lots of skepticism from Latter-day Saints, deeply concerned that we have given full creative control to evangelicals who they think hate us. To both Latter-day Saints and evangelicals, I reply, if Jesus can call his ancient apostles from a range of backgrounds, including an apostate tax collector on the one hand to stubborn, illiterate fishermen on the other, why can't he call evangelicals, Catholics, Jews, and even Latter-day Saints to the creation of a TV series about his life and ministry? I'll tell you! All right. Come in a little bit closer, people. Come here. Come to your spiritual mama. That's me right now. Just so you know. Okay, come to me. I'm putting my arm around you. The God of the Word of God is not ecumenical. Okay? So the God of the Word of God would not call evangelicals, Catholics, Jews, and Mormons to create a TV show about who he is. Just saying. 
uh, have you read the Bible? <laughs> but what I will tell you is a God who would draw together evangelicals, Catholics, Jews, and Mormons together is a false God. Bareface. Yes, to leave them uh, in, in those doctrines. In the case of the apostles, the disciples who were called, that apostate tax collector and stubborn letter fisherman, uh, they were called <sighs> to follow the Messiah. Yeshua, right. Messiah, the... the the one and only begotten son of God and not to follow a new religion, not to follow some new, new revelation, you know, something, um, some new latter day in that time, new, some new first century thing, but to follow the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, uh, <laughs> Yeshua, Jesus was clear about his coming, uh, that he said, do not think that I came to destroy the law of the prophets. I came to fulfill them. He wasn't walking in opposition to them. He fulfilled them, uh, the, the letter of the law and the spirit of the law. And, uh, he embodied all that God is, as as, you know, I think of his conversation with Philip, Philip says, show us the father and it'll be sufficient for us. Have I not been with you so long, Philip, you know, and you've not known me. He who has seen me has seen the father. Um, we're not talking, uh, you know, in the case of the apostles, we're not talking, he called people different backgrounds to maintain their different backgrounds and, and kind of, you know, come together and sort of through the spin side and come out with some new thing that was kind of a, an amalgamation of all their, you know, of all their beliefs. Yeah. Um, Yeshua, Jesus asked one question, who, who do men say in? Well, some say John the Baptist, some say, uh, Elijah. some say, you know, one of the prophets. He says, but who do you say that I am? And that was the most important question. Not what they say. They had that pin, that pin. And there's only one pin that mattered, that you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And they all came upon, you know, they all came together around that point of truth. Amen. Um, no. So this article, though, goes on to say, if you're still skeptical, I say the same thing I told my brother three years ago. Just watch it. All right. I will probably see a thousand more messages from people telling me I'm a cultist and that I believe in a different Jesus. Note, people, that is mockery. Okay? This is the Mormon mocking, okay? You might not think so, but he is. He's mocking what people are saying. And granted, some people are, are going to say it in a mean way, right? I'm not trying to say it in a mean way, but what I am saying is that, yeah, he is a cultist and he is following a different Jesus. And he goes on to say, I will certainly have many more Latter-day Saints refuse to trust the show because the message is controlled by evangelicals. Interesting, isn't Can't it? Can't we all just get along? Think about this, okay? Think about it. So the LDS believers in their doctrines and stuff, they're afraid to watch a show about Jesus because they might get lured into believing in a different Jesus than they actually believe in. Pretty interesting, huh? Meanwhile, you got the evangelicals warning, you know, the, you know, embracing the church. But then you have biblical people like me going, hey, you know what? 
this could totally lead baby believers, uh, biblically illiterate believers away from the biblical Jesus and get them influenced by the LDS church. The argument is actually the same from both sides. And that, my friend, actually is evidence that there is confusion. And the God of Scripture is not a God of confusion. He is a God of order, which tells me that you shouldn't be involved in this because this is creating confusion among the brethren. Right there. So the article goes on to say, but one thing can be certain, they can't diminish my relationship with Jesus. He has redeemed me, and it won't take me away from my love for him or the chosen hate or love. I'm offering the gifts God has given me to help the chosen reach a billion people worldwide. The chosen central theme image rather is a school of fish. Interestingly, Rabbi Rabbi Sobel also once compared the series to a net, one that could gather all kinds of people, Matthew 13, 25. In addition, John 10, 16 states, and other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. God is going to gather all kinds of fish. Okay, so we could talk about that in a little bit. But this is where I go, You hear the rattling of the hiss of the snake, the serpent, a fulfillment of prophecy. Hmm. I wonder how many Christians are going to look at this article and go, oh my gosh, there was biblical, there was Mormon prophecy that's being fulfilled and that's part of the chosen. I can't believe it. You know, that might, you may as well open up Star and the Enquirer magazine and look at the psychic readings, you know, and go, oh, this is true, right? When it's not. But anyway, says here, finally, a, a unique quick thought from a Latter-day Saint perspective, because after all, that's what we want, don't we? Um, uh, I believe the chosen may well be in smart part the fulfillment of a little recognized book of mormon prophecy let me explain 18 years ago as a missionary in cork ireland i was studying the book of mormon when first nephi 1414 or i don't know if it's nephi jumped off the page with intensity since then i've studied the scripture so much that the page is falling out i believe this verse prepared me to meet dallas jenkins now Remember, he was a missionary 18 years ago. So what he was, was he was a Mormon missionary. So when you first become a Mormon, they send you out on a missions trip. Why? To get you to go door to door and to share the true gospel with whoever will answer the door. And um, they're baby believers. They always come in with somebody older than them to watch over them and shepherd them to make sure that they're toeing the line with the, with the Book of Mormon doctrine, not Bible doctrine, but the Book of Mormon. He calls the Book of Mormon scripture, which it is not. It is a fairy tale. Okay. So, so when he was studying the Book of Mormon, a.k.a. fairy tale book, when first Nephi fourteen fourteen jumped off the page, this is what it says. And it came to pass that I, Nephi, beheld the power of the Lamb of God, that it descended upon the saints of the church of the Lamb and upon the covenant people of the Lord, who were scattered upon all the face of the earth, and they were armed with righteousness and with the power of God and great glory. First Nephi fourteen fourteen. 
The verse was written by a Jewish man named Nephi who fled Jerusalem just before Nebuchadnezzar II laid siege in 589 B.C. Nephi and his father both had stunningly prophetic visions. In the vision, Nephi sees the events that transpire from Jesus Christ's birth to the death of the apostles to the discovery of the new world to the American Revolution and finally touching on our day. Okay, and not only that, I just have to say one other thing. And I know I'm adding a lot of commentary in here, but there is this prophecy that when the Mormon Mitt Romney was picked by the evangelical Christian right to represent the conservative Christians in America a number of years ago, instead of Mike Huckabee, in case you didn't know that. So Mike Huckabee was replaced by the Mormon Mitt Romney. And they actually thought that the Mormon Mitt Romney was going to fulfill this prophecy about the end times of somebody coming into America. Because, see, the Mormons believe that America is part of their prophetic uh, destiny, okay, to save it. Well, as it turned out, Mitt Romney didn't win. (laughs) That's kind of weird. Even though... Mormon Glenn Beck promoted him at the time as well. But whatever. (laughs) Okay, so when Nephi sees today, he sees two contending churches. Number one, the church of the devil, consisting of all the people who fight against Jesus. And number two, the church of the lamb, which isn't specific to any organized religion, but instead the broader group of believers from around the world. In the last days, the church of the devil gathers globally to fight against the Lamb. But in verse 14, we see the power of the Lamb of God descended onto two groups of believers as they unite in the power of God in great glory. It's great. Group one, the saints of the church of the Lamb. Again, this does not appear to be talking about Latter-day Saints, but instead all believers that defend the Lamb, and I believe evangelicals fit this group exceptionally well, and group two, and upon the covenant people of the Lord, In April, Russell M. Nelson, the current leader and prophet of my faith, that's the Mormon guy, referenced two groups in this way. Reference group two in this way. Quote, we live in the day that our forefathers have awaited with anxious expectation. We have front row seats to witness live what the prophet Nephi saw only in a vision, that the power of the Lamb of God would descend upon the covenant people of the Lord, who were scattered upon all the face of the earth and they were armed with righteousness and with the power of God and great glory. You, my brothers and sisters are among those men, women and children who Nephi saw. Think of that. And then he says here, I believe that 18 years ago, God pressed first Nephi 14, 14 on my heart and mind to prepare me to be open to embracing the chosen without reservation or control. Ever since watching the short film, The Shepherd, I felt the confirming peace of the spirit that this is where God wants me right now, united in a global effort to bring this show to the world. Hmm. Really? Well, let me ask you a couple questions. Number one, according to the word of God, who are the chosen people? Anybody? Do I have any takers? Do I hear a bare face in the house who wants to give the answer to that question? Well, um, Jesus said, no one come to me unless the Father draws them. Um, Who are the chosen people? Well, are there are the chosen people, the people, I would say, the covenant people of the Lord of the people, Israel. 
Ding, you got it. Okay. They're not chosen because they're special, but they're special because they're chosen. Right. God chose them among all the peoples of the earth. Okay. Uh, to be his people. So and there are the chosen people, and then there are the Gentiles, right? Yes. Okay. B- biblical speaking. Right. But that's not what this is saying. Yeah. Now, it's interesting. I have a couple things to say about this, and I didn't, don't want this to become a critique of the big Book of Mormon. I mean, we're talking about the chosen, but it, it's interesting that this prophet... Well, it's important, though. That's why we're doing well, this. Well, this prophet Nephi foresaw all sorts of things, from Jesus Christ's birth to the death of the apostles, to discovering the new world, to the American Revolution. But when were these prophecies first translated to our knowledge? In the mid eighteenth or the mid nineteenth century, uh, well before the middle, you know, eighteen forty or whatever, and the the Book of Mormon was unknown. You won't find it in any extra Mormon, you know, preceding preceding the arrival of Joseph Smith and his vision of golden plates and his either his special glasses or the spirit, depending on what what version of the story he. Uh, related that helped him translate these golden plates in some ancient Egyptian language. Um, these prophecies w- are not recorded anywhere else. They weren't. Nobody knew about Nephi, and while well, he fled Jerusalem just before Nebuchadnezzar laid siege in five eighty nine, we don't read that in First Chronicles, Second Chronicles, any of that. We uh, um, of those that returned, you know, from the from the even with Ezra or with um, or of Nehemiah, you know, not mentioned in there. The thing is that these prophecies weren't discovered until after the birth of Christ, the death of the apostles, the discovery of the new world and the American Revolution. Um, so it's, wow, it's amazing that these prophecies discovered long, long after these events a hundred years after the American Revolution, um, almost a hundred years later, right? You know, record he he saw these things <laughs> in the future. Um, I don't know. It, whereas the prophecies of Scripture, we've got them translated into Greek and Septuagint. Hundreds of years before Jesus came on the scene, they were long existed in Hebrew. You know the the the. The prophecies of the Old Testament, the prophecies of Messiah, predate Messiah by centuries, and it's an established fact that we see not only Dead Sea Scrolls, um, but in uh, mentions of other Hebrew writers, etc. Um, so to know that they were prophecies given before these events, we right. can, we're confident of that. People want to say, well, well, Isaiah was written afterward or Daniel was written afterward because it's too agon had to be written. But 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 yet we find we find references to these books outside of these books that predate still the events. And so whereas Nephi's prophecies, I think it's just interesting that if he did foresee, you know, why why weren't they around? Why didn't we know about these prophecies until well after these events? And and then again, his application, if let's take it for, let's say it is valid, and a Jewish man who escaped Jerusalem uh, before the, you know, conquest of Nebuchadnezzar II, 
let's say he existed and he did prophesy about the saints of the church of the lamb and the second group, the covenant people of the Lord. Right. That, yeah. That would mean to me, you know, followers of Messiah of, you know, whatever nationality and, and Jews, you know, the, yeah, the children of Israel and this, and the current prophet leader and prophet of the LDS church is applying, clearly applying the covenant people of the Lord to being the Latter-day Saints. So I guess they're not, they don't belong to the Church of the Lamb. I guess, I guess everybody does. And then, But what we just read, though, is from Doctrines of Demons. I know, but I'm just saying, you know, I know, no, think, I know. think critically about. I know, and this is, this is why... I'm bringing this up. Look, hey, if you want to watch The Chosen, go ahead. I don't care. I I am not your mother. I am your spiritual mom, if you want me to be. <laughs> I can't tell you what to watch. Most of you watch crap anyway. I mean, if you're turning on cable, watching any news, that's crap. And if you're watching pretty much anything produced on TV is crap. Just so you know, it really is. It's produced by people who are not God-fearing most of the time, who don't have good morals, who care about money. They're wasting your time, but you're watching it. Whatever. We all do it. I do it too, okay? I'm not proud of it, but I do occasionally watch these food competition shows on Netflix because, you know, I just like to see that. But the point is... In this case, with the influence of the chosen, there's a couple of things that concern me. Number one, it does matter that this is being produced by a member of a cult, okay? I don't care if you want to call it that or not. You might be more tactful than me. Whatever. It matters. This guy's theology is right there on the internet. I just shared it with you. How many baby believers or or milk-fed evangelical Christians who don't understand the word of God are going to get sucked into that and go, huh, wonder what other stuff is in the Book of Mormon that I could look at? Because gosh, what this guy is saying, that sounds so valid and true. That is my point. And the irony is, though, that the fear from the devout LDS people, we don't want to be influenced by that evangelical Jesus. Just so you know, you're not being presented an evangelical Jesus. You're, you're not being presented a biblical Jesus in The Chosen. Actually, if you want to be, like, really super legalistic about this whole thing, uh, they shouldn't be, I mean, maybe it's not a book adding anybody who adds to the words of this book, prophecy of this book, you know, think about it. Why Why are so many Christians enamored with a false depiction of who Jesus and the chosen were? You got to ask yourself that. I asked myself why, you know, I watched General Hospital for years. Why was I enamored with General Hospital, the, the soap opera? Because <sighs> it was good. It was, there was a good storyline. There's some hot guys on there. I like some of the stories. It was great and stuff, but it did nothing for my spiritual walk. <laughs> Nothing. It didn't draw me closer to Jesus. Can God use the chosen? Yeah, he can He can use whatever he wants. But to get all snippety and snipety and, and all like, well, you, you know, there's no Christian actors. I mean, there's no Mormon actors, and it doesn't matter that. Blah, 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 blah. Why so defensive, young one? Why, why so defensive about me bringing up an alternate view and maybe pointing you to the fact that this is being produced by somebody who believes in doctrines of demons? And if you don't like me saying doctrines of demons, then you may as well rip out the book of 1 Timothy 
out of your Bible because that's where I read it from. Just so you know. By the way, there's another article that I wanted to read. It's called Girding Against Deception by Bill Wilson. And this is over on the website raptureready.com. We're going to change the subject a little bit. It says here, there were many ingredients of a worldwide brainwashing program taking place during the COVID hysteria over the last 18 months, many of which continue today. You don't have to agree on the why or who behind it, but the truth of the matter is that the entire handling of this contagion resembles the steps toward brainwashing and tyranny. Tyranny. Very similar to the Stockholm Syndrome in which hostages develop a psychological bond with their captors, people all over the world have formed a psychological connection with those who, quote, protect them from the fear of COVID. This includes the government, medical personnel, the media, and others. People are bonded to the narrative rather than the facts. Key elements to brainwashing or creating mass psychosis include isolation, monopolization of perceptions, making compliance easier than resistance, use of media to enforce demands, threats, and fear. During COVID, society was locked down, isolation for a long period of time. The government, big tech, and the media monopolized the narrative to the point of censuring any opposition. The narrative characterized compliance to simple mandates like wearing a mask as good citizenship. The media reinforced the narrative by emphatically stating any alternative opinions were misinformation and labeling people as anti-science. The government has threatened every person's ability to hold a job if they don't get the jab. All this fear over disease that statistically you will have a 99% chance of surviving. The effects of this mass psychosis programming separate people from their ability to discern. They are unable to suspend their disbelief of what is happening to them. They get defensive. They refuse to believe the very facts of the truth presented before them. They cannot accept an alternate viewpoint and will aggressively defend their point of view. I've received so many emails telling the stories of how family members, once very close to one another, have been torn apart by disagreement over the fear of covid and what the government is doing. It has almost become a religious cult. There's no common sense or reasoning. The same facts that demonstrate the fallacies are used to support them. How does one prevent this brainwashing and fear? There are some easy things to do. Turn off the television news and be careful of the videos you watch. The constant bombardment of opinion only contributes to fear and anxiety. Stay informed by reading your news. This way you, you control the stimulation of the senses. Do not submit to fear or the symbols of fear, such as mandates. Learn to discern by reading and absorbing the Bible. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of the soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The word of God, if you receive it in its context, will teach you to discern. Discernment is a weapon against the evil of this day and what it does to the mind. And that is by Bill Wilson. And I completely agree with him. Because the people that I know who haven't caved to the COVID con out there are the people who haven't gotten vaccinated, right? Now, and, I'm, and, and I know that I just stepped on a toe. Sorry about that. 
if you got vaccinated, that was your choice. But you don't have to get vaccinated. That's my choice to not be vaccinated. And, um, you know, um, there are different alternatives if you get COVID. There, there's ivermectin you can take. There's hydro- hydrochloroquine. Uh, there are protocols that require, you know, vitamin D, um, aspirin, melatonin, uh, vitamin C, you know, keeping your immune system strong, wash your hands, <laughs> cover your mouth when you cough, be be cognizant of who you've been around. It's interesting that if you look at some of the research today, a lot of the places that have the most cases of COVID are the most highly vaccinated places, including Israel, uh, which is actually the test camp. Think about it. If you really think about the diabolicalness of this, Israel was the biggest test camp. Who are who are the who goes who's in Israel? The Jews. Who does Satan hate? The Jews. Who does Satan want to wipe out? Guess what? The Jews. Think about it, people. You know, I mean, there, there, there's different stories being told. These people are real. Just like you have real Mormons who are trying to sway people against Jesus. You have a real devil behind the scenes here who is just, he's on the stage. The Antichrist is behind the curtain, right? Getting ready to show up at any minute. And the rapture is going to take place too. But in the meantime, uh, this article, which is, which is the last one I'm going to read, It's titled, Not So Safe and Effective, Test, Jab, Boost, Repeat, A Losing War. This is by Dr. Jane M. Orient. Dr. Orient is Executive Director of the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons, AAPS, whatever that means. I think that stands for AAPS. Yeah. And I want to throw in there that the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons isn't some new neocon, you know, you know, political action committee founded in, you know, 2012. The Association of American Physicians and Surgeons is a group founded in 1943. Okay. What is that? Around 80 years, basically almost 80 years. And, um, you know, dedicated to sound medical practice. So I just wanted to bring that up before we go on with the article that when we read that, that Dr. Orient is the executive director of AAPS. It's not some, you know, new. It's not a quack organization. Yeah. Okay. All right. So I'm not going to read this whole thing because it's long and I don't feel like reading the whole thing, but I will read part of it just so you guys can get the gist and you can go to world net daily and you can look it up yourself if you want. But it says here, Joe Biden introduced his quote, new unquote plan to save us from the dread coronavirus. He will provide 500 million quote free unquote, tests paid for by taxpayers or with borrowed money, send 1,000 National Guard troops to overstressed hospitals and apply more pressure to get vaccinated and boosted. By the way, I was talking to a girlfriend of mine today at Pickleball, and um, she's somebody who has not been vaccinated like me. And she came up to me. She's like, Stacy, I got to talk to you. I go, what? She's like, I just went to the doctor today. I go, you did? She's like, yeah. And, you know, all he did was push the vaccine on me constantly. He kept telling me that if I don't get vaccinated, I'm going to die. And if I don't get vaccinated, I'm going to be the one getting other people sick. And if I don't get vaccinated, and she she just was like, man, this doc. And this is in Tennessee, by the way. Um, so this is a real pressure. And I told her, I said, yeah, they're being forced to 
push the vaccine. She goes, yeah, I wonder if there's a contest between the doctors to see how many people they can get vaccinated in one day, if they win a prize or something. You never know. Anyway, back to the article. According to the Kaiser Family Foundation, we would need 2.3 billion tests per month to test every person over the age 12 at the recommended frequency of twice per week. What type of tests and where would we get them? Pharmacies are running out of home antigen tests. We have no data on the likelihood of false negative or false positive tests, but we do know that with any test, every good, even very good ones, the vast majority of positive tests will be false positives if only a small percentage of the test did group as diseased. Also, tests may remain positive long after a person has recovered and is in no longer infectious. Can the tests harm? Actually, if you watch one of Doctor, watch one of Billy Crohn's, Pastor Billy Crohn's things, he actually cites a doctor that says that the tests can harm. But what any false positives lead to isolation, with destruction of livelihoods and educational opportunities. We may be having an epidemic of false positives tests using too high a cycle threshold, as some labs have routinely done, provide a meaningless result. And from your lab report, you cannot tell what cycle threshold was used. It is possible that doing the test itself could be fatal. A few military members reportedly had infections with flesh-eating bacteria after getting swabbed, and some of the swabs were found to be contaminated. At least one patient got meningitis when a nasal swab was inserted too far. Hospitals are indeed overstressed. According to a talk radio host, patients are dying in the halls and waiting room of local hospitals because of short staffing. Will 1,000 troops help? Mayo Clinic alone just fired 700 unvaccinated workers. Wow, 700 people who actually weren't mesmerized by the subliminal messages of the media get vaccinated. So fire 700 workers and then complain that your hospital has short staffing. An Ohio physician reported that the troops were causing chaos. They didn't even know where supplies were kept, and after 12-hour shift, personal personnel rather might be dispatched to another state before they had time to learn the local system under uh, under cms waivers covering the declared emergency minimally qualified personnel may be used and now the most experienced and dedicated workers the very ones most likely to exercise independent judgment and stand up for patients are being called will more vaccines and boosters help biden asserts that it's a patriotic duty to get jabbed and more jabs are the only way to end the disaster. No, no matter how much respect you have for his mental abilities, he is likely quoting the American Medical Association. The jabs do not appear to be effective against the new variants and might even be creating them. There is talk of a fourth shot, but apparently no stopping point for adverse effects such as myocarditis in children. I'm not going to read the rest because it's, you know. But what I will say is that I actually did see a nurse... Um, had posted on Facebook that a child basically died after they got vaccinated. And they were like, this has got to stop. I have friends who are nurses in the field who are like, nope, I ain't doing it. Um, I know people who've been vaccinated and almost died. Um, you know, even Randall got COVID tested and, and started feeling sick after it. So, you know, we don't know if, if that's part of it. It wouldn't surprise me, though. Um, and I posed this question to my friends on Facebook. For those of you who got vaccinated, how many boosters will you go? Will you do it until they tell you not to? Will you do it if they keep telling you, oh, we need to have five? Oh, nope, nope, nope. Now we got to have seven. How about 10? 20? 
Are we being ridiculous? Oh, are you going to be dead by then? You know, some of the research Dr. I don't know why I keep calling him Dr. Billy Crown, Pastor Billy Crown posted, um, they believe the world elite that those who've, who've been vaccinated, that within two to three years of the initial vaccinations that these people got, we're going to see a lot more deaths because of those vaccine jabs. And that concerns me personally because I know a lot of people that I love who've gotten vaccinated. And if they continue to get boosters, to me, that's just, you're just continuing to poison yourself and put this stuff in your body that um, <clears throat> isn't doing anything to help you with COVID. So I don't know. What I will tell you, however, is that the Bible says that it's appointed unto man once to die and then after that the judgment. And so God knows the day of your death. He knew the day of your birth. Um, so should you fear dying if you're in Christ? No. Um, but I would hope that, um, you know, you would use some discernment if you're going to continue to do this and you're continuing to still see ill effects. I've talked to so many people that have gotten one or two boosters and they're like, oh yeah, I get sick afterwards. Oh, it's horrible. And I'm like, then why are you doing it? Why are you doing this? Knowing that you're going to get sick again. Why would just stop it? Stop it. Stop it. But I can't save you. It's not my job. All I can do is share my opinion, which is based on reading and stuff. Maybe stuff you don't read. I don't know. Um, but I put out the alternate view, just like I did with The Chosen, just like I did with Bob and Bob Saget and Betty White going to hell. Um, you know, not as, I feel like a prophet that nobody listens to. And I'm not a prophet, by the way. <laughs> Although I feel like I have the mantle sometimes. Um, because I really want what's best for you, you know? I want you to read the Bible. I want you to be healthy. I want you to shut off the media that is telling you constantly to do this stuff. And you're not listening to them. Um, because it's not doing you any good spiritually. It's really not. It's, it's not. it's not helping. You know, Randall and I care about you. That's why we do what we do. Um, Heart Tug International is our nonprofit. And we are genuine, I believe, missionaries for, for the Lord. And that's what we do. We disciple, we mentor people, we counsel people, we do Bible studies, we do this show once a week, um, and we need your help financially. And so I would love it if you wanted to join in and support us. You know, part of the reason we're doing the show taped today um, is because the big tech has essentially hidden us live so we kind of thought well why go live when we can just post this like other big ministries do and then you can just watch this on demand if you've watched this far and you're not somebody who supports our show um, I want to ask you to really think about and pray about becoming a monthly pillar of our community and supporting Heart Tug International so that we can continue to do stuff that we do most of what we do isn't on this show anymore um, most of what we do is Bible reading accountability and Bible studies and counseling. Um, and all that information can be found on our website at hearttug.org. Just go over there and check it out. And if you need anything, you can always email Randall or me uh, through the website there. Now, some of you have asked, um, you've made, I've, ha I've gotten actually a couple of comments recently about donating to the show that you don't use PayPal or a credit card. Um, 
you can send a check to us and we will have the address to our to our address on there if you want to do that too we're okay with that we actually have a couple of people that donate through check every month and we take those and we deposit those the old-fashioned way into our checking account so if you want to do that that is an option as well okay just know that all right so um so that is our show for today I hope you guys have a great week. Lord willing, we'll see you next week here on Bible News Radio. So as I always say, you know, trying to reach people one verse at a time, but also remember people, be bold, stand up, go with God because he loves you. He really does. We'll see you then.